Success Road Podcast, Episode 11, Seven Ways to Train Your Children. Welcome back to the Success Road Podcast. My name is Joshua Rivers, your host, and this is the podcast to help you be able to go on to further levels of success in your life, realizing that success is not a destination, it's a journey. It is something that we work on day by day. We never reach the finish line. We just keep on going. In the month of June, we've been looking at a couple different things regarding fathers and fatherhood, how we can be better fathers. And so if you happen to be a mother or you don't even have any children, these principles can still apply in other areas so they can still be helpful to you. Today, we're going to talk about the fact of Uh, what the Bible teaches regarding training up a child. And so this is definitely not going to be exhaustive, and I am definitely not the highest authority on this matter. And so I have two children, eight and six, and so I have some experience, and I still have a long ways to go, though. But these are some of the things that I've gleaned from looking at the Scripture and some of the experience that I've had so far. And so there are things that I need to work on that I look at in scripture that I fall short. And so we're going to try to look at these and see how we can be able to make improvements in at least one of these areas so that we can become better fathers to our children. I want to start by looking at Proverbs chapter 22, verse number six, where we get the phrase, train up a child. And the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so this is a very well-known scripture, especially when we're talking about raising children. And so I've heard a couple different ideas of what this verse is teaching, and I think there's validity to each of them. And so I think the Bible has a primary interpretation and then some secondary applications as well. Um, And so, again, I am not by any means the expert, uh, but I can do a little bit of research and I can do some uh, studying of my own to be able to try to figure some of this out. And so I wanted to start by getting a working definition of some of these words. The first part I wanted to look at was the definition of the words train up. And so I looked in the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance And so this is, um, if you're not familiar with a concordance, it is basically like a dictionary for the words in the Bible. And it goes beyond just a basic definition. It shows the different ways that the Hebrew and Greek words are translated because there are certain words that are in the original language that are translated into different English words. And so the same word might be translated two different ways. And um, this is one of those. And so in that um, Strong's Concordance there, it says that it's a primitive root properly to narrow compare to um, another um, Hebrew word um, that looks like it's chenek. Again, I'm not an expert. Uh, But then it also says here figuratively to initiate or discipline. And then it gives the two different ways that it is translated in the Bible. And the first one is dedicate. The second is train up. 
And so I love being able to start with a definition. That way we know what we're working with when we get started. So with that definition in mind, here's the two different interpretations that I've heard this verse uh, has. And so there's probably some other different ones, but these are two of the main ones that I've heard. The first one is that the parents are to train up their children in the way that they feel is best according to the Bible. And so the result will be that the children will stay with what they were trained with whenever they get older. And so, um, or at least that is uh, the expected result. And so I believe that this is with um, some further depth and understanding that this is the primary teaching of the verse. And so I, I believe it goes a little bit deeper than just that basic definition. Um, but then the second one uh, is a little bit different. And so it says the uh, parents are to train their children in the way that God is leading that child to be. And so I've also heard um, it say that the way he should go um, should be translated the way he is bent. And so I'm not in favor of changing the words in scripture. Um, I, I don't think we should do that. Um, I don't, so I, I, I try to be careful about saying that it should be translated somewhere else, but I do think it's good to be able to look at it and study it so that we can get a better idea of what the definition is for those words. And so I think that when it's uh, talking about that, from what I've looked at in scripture, that the principle is there, um, not just in this verse, but throughout scripture, that God has an individual purpose for each and every one of us. And as parents, we are to help our children be able to discover what that purpose is and help train our children for that. And so not just our own preconceived idea of what that ought to be, uh, but what God wants us to train them to be, what God wants them to be. And so we need to find out what that is. And so I, I, I think ultimately the best way to be able to look at it is to combine the two uh, because there are certain things in Scripture that are unchangeable. They are solid. We can look in scripture. We can see that there is no doubt that they are true. And so there are other things though, that God has a specific will for each of us, a certain thing that he wants us to do. And it's not up to our parents. It's not up to our pastor. It's not up to anybody else to dictate to us what that is that God has for us. God, they're not the Holy Spirit that tell us God's will for our life. Now, they can help give us direction. They can help us be able to figure it out, but they are not the Holy Ghost. And so I think there's a combination or a blending that needs to happen between the two of these. And so kind of putting all this together now, going back to our definition, kind of laying these things all together, there are several key parts that work together. And I think that if one part is left out, I believe that the part of the that part of the training process is lost in that. And so the first part that we saw in the definition is it said to narrow. And then the second part that I wanted to point out is to initiate. And then the third part is to discipline. And then the last part I wanted to point out is the other word that it's translated as, which is dedicate. And so looking at each of these here, uh, to narrow um, obviously means to narrow, to make it 
um, not quite so broad, not not quite a large scope, but to narrow that down. And so some people think that Christians brainwash or indoctrinate their children, forces them to live strictly severe lives or it, or maybe like or just a really strict lifestyle. Um, and so they have so many rules and regulations and things like that. And so whether or not you think that the way they do that, that they go too far with their different standards, um, that's not the issue. Um, so much as the issue is more the fact of teaching their children why they do what they do. And so I think that's a bigger problem when we're looking at this issue of training up our children and trying to set standards for them and things like that is a lot of times I see that the parents tell the children that this is what they're going to do, but then there's no instruction as to why they do it. There's no understanding that's given to the children. They just know that this is what we do because it's a tradition or whatever. It's just what they do. There's no um, reason why we need a why as people we desire and we crave and to be able to really do our best. We need to know why we're doing something. And so especially when we look at the spiritual things that we're doing, we didn't know why we're doing those things. Well, why do we go to church? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we pray? Why do we do these different things? Why are we nice and kind to other people? Why do we treat them like we would treat ourselves? And so these are things that we need to know why we do them, not just, well, this was the right thing to do. We, we need more than that. And so that might work while children are young, but especially as they start to grow older, there should be more and more instruction given us to why they do what they do. So it's not so much how narrow you are or how how strict you make the rules or whatever. It's in making sure that you transfer those reasons to your children, help them be able to understand that. And so um, that is part of that training process. And so uh, if we want to apply this outside of the family, if we look into a business aspect, um, part of the training process in a job is not just teaching somebody how to do the job, but also why they're doing each part of that job. Because if all they know is how, then when a problem comes up, they're not going to be able to troubleshoot it very well. But if they understand why something happens the way it happens or why they're supposed to do something the way they do it, they can easily troubleshoot then when a problem comes up. And so uh, it's a lot easier to be able to do that. You can be able to function a lot better. You can be able to reach a higher potential as a result of that. We want to have our children reach a much higher potential um, as much as possible, or we can see the potential that they have. We want them to reach that as much as possible. So to narrow, the second one is to initiate. And so that gives that connotation, that idea that this is just the beginning. We are not completing the process. Um, a lot of times parents might have the idea that all of the training of the child's life is their responsibility and they're supposed to accomplish it in the 18 years or whatever that they are at home. That is not the case. We are just starting the process for them. Training is a lifelong process. And so, and as parents, we're not the only ones doing the training, even though we have a direct command from God to do training. And so we're starting the process. 
And so studies have shown that the um, the younger a person is, the more critical those foundational teachings are. And so if a child misses some critical principal things when they're young, it's harder to learn those things when they get older. And then it's harder for them to be able to catch on to the next things after that, because almost everything in life builds on something else that we learned. And so when you look at the, if you look at the issue of math, um, you can't do multiplication until you first learn addition. You can't do addition until you still first learn the first principles of what a number is and how to count. Um, there, there's just the basics that you have to start with. You start with the simple, basic things. You get that down. Then you move to the next thing. You get that down. You move to the next thing. Same thing happens when we're teaching them the chores in our house. And so you don't just go to your one-year-old and say, go clean your room. Uh, they have absolutely no idea what that means. And so you can start when they're one years old and you can go to them and say, okay, pick up this toy, put it in the box. And so, and even, even more basic than that, you might have to just say, pick up the toy. They go over, they pick up the toy and they say, okay, now put it in the box. They need very simple, very direct things to do. And a lot of times they can only do single steps in what they're doing as they grow they start to build on that and they're able to do compound things. They're able to start uh, doing more complex instructions. And so, but for us as parents, we're just initiating, we're just starting the process of this training. And so it is very critical that we make sure that we do this, give them the right foundation so that as they grow older, they can be able to build on that foundation so they can be able, again, to have the highest potential possible. The third part that we mentioned in the definition is to discipline. And so now discipline is more than punishment for wrongdoing. And so that's a common way that that word is used or that word is associated is when you think of discipline, a lot of times you think of some sort of corporal punishment or capital punishment, that there is some sort of punishment that is being dealt out because there is a disobedience to the rules. And so now discipline is to train somebody to obey the rules or a code of behavior, some sort of way that they're supposed to act. And you, there is punishment and correction that's used to be able to make it right. And so the purpose of discipline is to help the other person become better and to better understand and follow those practices. And only part of that practice and only part of that process is punishment. And so there's also the aspect of having rewards and having incentives. And so you can't have all rewards and all incentives. You can't have all punishment. You got to have a combination of both. And so there, there's purpose and places for each one. And so, and we also need to remember that we need grace in this too. We remember, need to remember that they're kids. And so there needs to be age appropriate and maturity appropriate um, ways that we deal with the discipline. And so if you tell your one-year-old to go clean their room and they go in their room and they start playing with the toys, um, there's a different discipline process that would take place than if you were to tell that to your 10-year-old. And so your 10-year-old, generally speaking, knows better, and they should uh, generally know 
what is expected when you tell them to clean their room, as long as you've done the right process of teaching them that. And so there's a different discipline problem. For the one-year-old, you can't get too mad at them because they don't know better. And so by the time, from the time that you told them to do that, but to the time that they got to their room, they forgot what they were supposed to do and they see toys, they start playing. And so whereas for a 10-year-old, usually that's not the case. They might claim that, but most of the time that's not going to be the case. And so there would be a different discipline problem um, that would or a discipline action that would need to take place as a result of that. And so one thing that my pastor has uh, said here lately, we've been going through a study of the home and some different uh, things that in the relationship of the home. And so it's been uh, a lot of it has to do with the way that the father and the husband is supposed to act in the home. And one of the things that he brings out is that the key responsibility or one of the key responsibilities of any authority, whether it's in the home or in the business or in the church or society or wherever, wherever there is a uh, an authority figure, someone that has a place of authority, their responsibility is to help those under their authority to become better, to become the person that God wants them to be. And so to be able to reach their highest potential. So that is the responsibility of authority. And so as a father, our responsibility is to help our wife become the best that she can possibly be, to reach her highest potential. Our responsibility is to help our children reach their highest potential. And so anytime that there is discipline that is taken out, that is the ultimate goal. And so if you go to deal out what you call discipline, if the result of that is not for their betterment, then you are doing it incorrectly. I fall into this many times myself because I have a flesh. I have my own selfish desires and my own um, stubbornness. And so I, I tend to sometimes try to discipline or uh, bring some sort of punishment to my kids. I ground them or, or something like that when, and, and the ultimate thing is not necessarily just for their betterment. Um, even though in my mind, I know I want that, but the way I deal out the punishment, it doesn't come across that way. And so we need to do it properly. It takes a lot of practice. And so it takes work to be able to do that. And so, then the last thing is the other word that train up is used in scripture is the word dedicate. And so the process of dedicating something is reserving it for only a particular use. And so in the context that we're talking about, we're talking about dedicating our children to God for his use. And so when we're talking this about training up a child in the way you should go, we're talking about dedicating our children to God for the way that God would have them be and how God wants to use them. And so we should first dedicate ourselves as an example, but then also so that God uses us. But as parents, we're supposed to give our children to God as well so that God can be able to use them as they ought to. And that should, again, that should be the focus that we have as we're training them, as we're disciplining, as we're bringing correction as we are showing them and demonstrating different things, the ultimate thing should be to be able to make them into the person that God wants them to be. An example in scripture is that of Hannah, 
that we see in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses number 26 to 28, says, And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, and that's speaking about Hannah, Hannah is speaking here, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. Okay, now she is speaking to the high priest, which is Eli at this time. So she's speaking to the high priest. Uh, Prior to this, she had prayed to God that she would be able to have a son. Prior to this time, she was barren. She was not able to have children. And so she was getting a lot of uh, persecution and, uh, I mean, getting a hard time would probably be putting it lightly. Um, but uh, she had some sort of persecution as a result of that from other ladies around her. And so, uh, because it was a shame for a woman to be barren, uh, especially during that time. And so she was praying to God that she would be able to have a son. And so God, so God answered her prayer. And so that's what was happening at this time. And so here she is bringing Samuel to dedicate him to God. And so after she says this here in verse number 27, it continues says, for this child, I prayed and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. And she says, therefore, also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So that was Eli worshiping God. And so we have this example here of Hannah literally giving him back to God. And so now that doesn't mean that when we have children that we should take our children to the church and say, okay, here you go. Uh, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Um, that wasn't the purpose. The The purpose that God had for Samuel was for him to be raised um, by the high priest so that he can be able to be raised up to be a man of God in that particular respect. And so, so again, our responsibility to train up our children means that we're to begin their lifelong training in living the life that God desires for them. And so this process of training involves several key elements, some of which are missed or overlooked, um, at least at some point. And so let me just go through these here. I'm just going to list them off real quick and then come back and explain a little bit more in detail of each one. And so number one, know the destination. Number two, start where they are. Number three, demonstrate what is expected. Number four, give them an opportunity to practice. Number five, praise them. Number six, give appropriate correction. And then number seven, repeat. And so these are seven steps, seven things that we can be able to do to be able to train our children the way that we ought to. And again, this can apply in the business world or anywhere else that we are training somebody. We're trying to pass some kind of information along in a school kind of setting, uh, teacher and student relationship. And so you start with number one, know the destination. And so Stephen Covey popularized the idea of starting with the end in mind. So this is a principle that's found throughout scripture. And so we cannot effectively get to our destination if we don't know what that is or where it is. So we need to know where it is that we're taking our children, not physically speaking per se, but 
spiritually or emotionally? Uh, what kind of person are we trying to shape them to be? What is it that God wants them to be? Now, we're not going to know everything about God's will for our children right from the get-go, but we do know in Scripture some different characteristics that our children should have. We can have a general idea of what a man of God or a woman of God should be, and that's how we should start training our children. And so we can start with the basic, and then as they start to grow and we start to uh, see their personality, we start to see the things that God is doing in their life, and as God starts to speak to them, we as parents should be paying attention so that we can start seeing the destination and we can try to then be able to go to number two and start where they are. So you know the destination, you know where you're heading, and then you go back to where they are and you start there. And so now we're going to be connecting the dots, if you will. And so MapQuest, Google, many other apps help people to get from point A to point B. And so you have to know both the destination and you have to know the starting point. And so it's only after you know both of these that you can plot out a course to be able to follow. And so if you go to MapQuest or Google, you try to get directions and all you have is the destination, it's not going to do you any good because it has absolutely no idea where you're starting from. Therefore, it can't give you accurate directions. And so if you're trying to get to Oklahoma City, where I happen to be right now. And so if you're trying to get to Oklahoma City, there's going to be a different course if you're coming from California than if you are coming from New York. And so two totally different paths, two totally different courses, depending on where you're starting from. And so so you need to know both the destination and you know where they are coming from. So you need to work with your children. You need to uh, really be able to see where they're at, be knowing where their progress, um, uh, where their progress is, and so how they've progressed so far, and be able to do that. And so we need to work with our children. The number three, demonstrate what is expected. And so there's a phrase that I've heard many times, and that is more is caught than taught. And what that means is that our kids pick up on what we do a lot more than they pick up from what we say. And so parents can say as much stuff as they want to, but if the actions of the parents don't back it up, it's harder for the kids to be able to pick up what the parents are trying to teach them verbally. And so, for example, you can tell them every day that they shouldn't smoke, but If you as the parents smoke on a regular basis, you're sending a mixed signal to them. And so they're going to tend to think that it's okay to be able to smoke. And so, and for some reason, your parents are just being mean and not letting you. And so that's kind of the mind frame that a lot of kids have. And so same thing can be with us with, with swearing and things like that. And so parents, cuss and then they tell their kids that they're not supposed to use that language uh it's it's hard for children to be able to do that the tendency is for the chair uh, or the children to copy what the parents do and say and so i think it is very scary now that i've had my children and during the eight years that i've been raising both of them almost nine years now my son is getting 
too old in my opinion um in that time even as short as it might be i can see that my children start to copy what me and my wife are doing and we look at it we tell them to stop and then we have to realize wait a minute they're doing what we do and so then we have to reevaluate what we're doing ourselves we need to demonstrate first of all what's expected and so if we put this on a practical level if we tell them to clean their room going back to we, we kind of mentioned this before but if you've never worked with them on it then how are they going to really know what's expected and so if all you do is you tell your kid, go clean your room, go clean your room, go clean your room, but you've never once taken time to go into the room with them and showed them step-by-step step exactly what they need to do to be able to accomplish that, then you're going to have struggles with them being able to do that. They're going to have struggles with it. And so, uh, because you can say clean your room and their idea of cleaning your their room is taking everything and shoving it under the bed or shoving it into the closet to where if you just turn the handle a little bit, all of a sudden the door is going to pop open and everything's going to fly out. That might be their idea of cleaning, but that might not match up with your definition. So you need to show them and you need to explain it to them and work with them on it. And so again, Start when they're young, start simple, start basic. They can do just a couple things. Then as they get older, they start doing more and more and they be able to uh, be able to start doing it without you having to show them um, each time. And so you need to demonstrate what's expected. And then number four, give them an opportunity to practice. And so you demonstrate what you need to do. So you go into the room. You pick up a toy, you put it into the box, you show them what needs to be done. And now you say, okay, your turn. You pick up the toy, put it in the box. Well, very good. And then you just give them an opportunity. Then you say, okay, do that exact same thing for the other five toys on the ground. Pick each one up and put it in the box. And then give them an opportunity to be able to practice that and do that. It takes practice. It seems really simple and really basic to us. But to them, it can be a monumental thing. It can be like pulling teeth to try to get kids just to pick up a couple toys because it's just the worst thing in the world if you ask them. And so um, probably just because they don't like to do clean. Like the, they like to play and just leave everything where it falls, but they need to learn to be able to clean up after themselves. And so um, we need to teach them to be able to do that. They need an opportunity to be able to put that into practice and be able to do that. And so they need an opportunity to be able to fail. And so when you give them an opportunity to practice this, to, you give them a chance to be able to do it, they're not going to get it right every time. And especially when they first start, they're probably going to mess up more than they get it right. And so you might say, okay, go pick up all the toys in your room and you go in there and check up on them after a minute or two and you realize that they only got one toy put away and now they're playing with the other toys sitting down over in the corner. Well, they failed in that aspect. They got one in there, but they, they didn't make a whole lot of progress. You just try to get them back on track, help them be able to deal with that. Um, and so it helps them be able to learn to deal with that discouragement. And so, because when you fail at something, when you, when you mess up, you make mistakes, there is that failure and 
people need to learn how to deal with that kind of failure, to be able to deal with that kind of discouragement, to be able to deal with disappointment. They need to learn to be able to handle those different things. And so they need an opportunity to be able to learn that at home in a safe environment instead of being sheltered for their whole life. And then they get out to get a real job. And then all of a sudden the boss pulls them in and yells at them for not doing their job right. They're going to break down and cry because they've never had anybody tell them they did something wrong. So there needs to be that safety, that shelter for them to be able to get that, um, get that training process of dealing with discouragement and disappointment and being able to deal with it properly. And so after you give them the opportunity to be able to practice that, they make mistakes, they mess up, try to find something, number five, to praise them. Find something that they did do right. And so maybe they didn't get a lot right, but maybe they made a little bit more progress than last time. So maybe the first time they only got one toy put away and they missed the other nine. Well, the second time, maybe they got two toys put away and they missed the other eight. Well, they still didn't come close to doing what they were supposed to, but they did better than they did before. So try to praise them for that, encourage them in that. And so we need to uh, be able to praise them um, especially the younger children, they need that affirmation. They need that approval. They need that encouragement to keep trying. And so that goes then with number six is we need to give appropriate correction. By appropriate correction, um, th- this depends on the age. This depends on the maturity. This depends on the specific task or whatever it is that they're doing. And so if you're dealing with putting shoes away, there is a different level of correction that needs to be done than if you're talking about stealing a car. Um, so or that's maybe an, an extreme example, but it could be possible. And so there's different levels of correction, different levels of discipline that needs to take place as well. So again, there's the positive and there's also the negative that needs to be dealt with. And so even when you're given correction, even when there's that punishment, there still needs to be that kindness and gentleness that's shown to them um, for that. And so they need to be shown what, what they missed. They, they need to see why they missed it or, or, or what they could be able to do to correct it. So you need to work with them on that. And then if possible, give them the opportunity right away to be able to try it again. And so usually the, the closer the lesson is to the application, the better the lesson can be applied, the better the lesson is impl- uh, um, implanted into the memory. And it's easier. But there's sometimes, maybe it was a big mistake and it just seems like things are so traumatic at that time. Um, there's just so much discouragement. You might need to have a little space in between the time that you try to instruct them and the time that they try it again. And so you might need to, I mean, if they try to clean their room and, and I mean, they're working in there for a while and they're trying, they just make all kinds of mistakes as they're doing it. And you go in there and you let them know, oh, hey, you did a good job. You, you got your bed made, you got your shoes put away, but you missed the toys. You still got toys that are laying on the floor. You got stuff shoved underneath the bed and look at that. You got some clothes hanging out of your dresser. And so that can be really discouraging for little kids because uh, for them, they're just trying so hard. 
And so, but there is a correction process that needs to get in place and they need to know that it's not okay to miss stuff and they just need to learn to be able to work on it and get better. And so sometimes it just might be so traumatic of an experience that particular time say, okay, well, you missed it today. We'll go ahead. We'll go back over it again. So you just show them real quick and you say, okay, tomorrow we'll try it again. And so then you come back the next day and when you come back the next day, just have a short time to recap what you had talked about the day before the last time. And so just say, okay, now remember last time you missed this, just make sure that you focus on that a little bit more and see if you can do a little bit better than you did before. So give them an opportunity to be able to do that. So there needs to be that appropriate correction, especially as they're younger, they need a lot more grace. They need a lot more forgiveness um, when they're doing stuff. Um, and so, but that doesn't mean that they have to, that you have to accept sloppiness or accept the mistakes. Just say, okay, you made a mistake. We'll just get better at it. Okay. You did good. You missed some stuff here. Let's just go ahead and go back. We'll, we'll just kind of, uh, pick up those things again and we'll do better next time. And so try to do that. And then we kind of mentioned this already, but number seven is repeat. And so remember, this is a lifelong process. And so it just goes over and over and over. So you demonstrate, give them opportunity to try it. They, they, they make some mistakes. And so you praise them for what they did right. You correct them on what they did wrong. You give them opportunity to do it again. And so you just repeat the process as long as uh, it's necessary. And then as they go, they'll eventually progress to more complex things. And so they'll, they'll graduate from picking up their toys to now they're making their bed to now they're um, also straightening up their closet. And now they're doing the laundry and now they're doing the dishes and now they're taking out the trash. And so you're showing them these, these new things you're adding to what they know how to do. And some of the things they learned before apply and they can be able to take those lessons and apply it to the new lesson that they're learning. You just go through this process over and over. And so this can apply for the physical things that we do, like chores around the house. Um, it can apply for uh, things that they're learning in school. You can work with them on that. It definitely applies when we're talking about building character and trying to teach them the spiritual things that we're trying to pass on to them. And so, and ultimately trying to figure out and find out what it is that God has for them in their life and helping them to be able to live up to that, 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 that desire that God placed in their heart. And so really working with them. And so just a review, number one, know the destination. Number two, start where they are. Number three, demonstrate what is expected. Number four, give them an opportunity to practice. Number five, praise them. Number six, give appropriate correction. And then number seven, uh, repeat. And so seven steps to be able to train your children to be able to do a better job at being able to do that. And so I'm sure that as we were going through this, you probably saw some different things that you could be able to improve on. Um, maybe you're like me and uh, you, you kind of overstep um, on some of the correction um, and you skimp on some of the praise. Um, and so you need to uh, try to have a better balance with that. Uh, maybe you need to demonstrate more Maybe you need to do a little bit better with that part, or maybe even you go back to number one and, and really see where it is that you're trying to take your children. And so um, what is it that you want them to look like? And so look down the road and be able to do that and then develop a plan to be able to get there. And so 
learn to be able to do that. And so hopefully this was helpful. And uh, hopefully you can be able to take these things, be able to apply them in your life. And so if this was helpful to you, I would definitely appreciate it if you could uh, share this with other people you know, uh, family, friends, um, social media. That would definitely be grateful. Uh, one thing that can really help the show is if you can go to iTunes and leave a review for this podcast there. And so if you can subscribe, review, give it a rating, all that kind of stuff that really helps the show to be able to move up the ranks, be able to become more visible when people are searching for this type of content to be able to increase their level of success, to be able to um, each day be able to get some more inspiration, to be able to do better in their lives. And as we're talking about in this episode, particularly to be able to become better fathers, to be able to help train our children. And so that would definitely help. You can go to joshuarivers.net slash iTunes. And you can be that'll take you right to the page there where you can be able to um, leave a review on that. And so I would certainly appreciate that. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for this episode, a little bit longer of an episode that uh, I've done as a solo show. And so usually my solo shows are a little shorter. But anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. And uh, we'll be back next time uh, with a, another thing that we can look at regarding being a better father. If you have any questions, any comments, I would certainly love to be able to have those. You can do that at the website, joshuarivers.net. And the show notes for this specific episode can be joshuarivers.net slash 011. And so with that, I pray that you will take these things to heart. I pray that uh, God will help you to be able to be a better father. And so with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off and I will talk to you later and God bless.